The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Here in Alberta, you may embark on an adventure somewhere else in the world, somewhere in the United States, somewhere, actually maybe even somewhere in Canada, and, and you always get the comparison, or at least I do, when I tell people I'm from Alberta, they're like, oh yeah, that's like Texas, right? Do you get that comparison a lot, Brad? For me, most the, the Ontario perception of Alberta is oil, and yeah. I think that's the perception for from for Alberta from most of Canada. So that's the question I often get asked, or it, I'm compared to. So we thought, let's literally compare Alberta to Texas. We're asking, how is it done in comparison to Texas since 2014? And here with all the answers, Steve Lafleur, senior pol- policy analyst with the Fraser Institute. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well yourself. I'm well. Thank you for asking. So if you could just break it down for us in layman's terms, why do Alberta and Texas get compared? Well, so any two jurisdictions will have their differences. And, you know, clearly Alberta and Texas are different in many respects, but they are fairly similar. They are both uh, provinces or jurisdictions rather that have been large growers within their country in terms of economic growth and attracting people from both the rest of the world and within their their respective countries. And oil and gas have been big players within the economies. And it's an interesting comparison as well because, especially in Alberta, a lot of the rhetoric since the oil bust is, you know, that basically we need oil to come back and really that's all that matters. But the reality is that even a province that has a lot of oil and gas activity can still do well even when oil prices aren't at $90 a barrel. Well, and that's exactly it, Steve. I mean, uh, you know, back in 2014, the recession happens here in Alberta. We slowly begin to recover, but Texas, kind of undergoing the same circumstances, their recovery was a lot faster than ours. Yeah, so they didn't really see the deep decrease in economic activity that, that Alberta did. Um, while they did have a year in 2016 where they contracted a little bit, they didn't see the you know, 5% of GDP kind of collapses for two years in a row that we had in 2015-16 here. Um, so that's really important to, to notice. And I think it's also important to remember that while the price of oil matters, while where we're shipping our oil to matters, and what grade of oil, and all that stuff matters at the margin, public policy decisions matter. And when we do things like increase corporate and personal income taxes during a, during a, a commodity bust, that, that's, a, that's a challenging thing to do, especially when you're fighting tooth and nail for jobs with places like Texas. Can you take us into the comparisons in employment growth between the two? Yeah, so um, basically between 2015 and 2016, um, an average of 1.7% uh, unemployment, or, or rather job growth was what they saw in Texas compared to 0.6% here. So while that's not any kind of like heroic increase, it is still a, notable, uh, a notably higher rate than we've seen in Alberta. So it certainly did take a bite out of Texas, but it didn't lead to uh, the type of kind of flatline growth that we saw here. When it comes to the unemployment rate, and obviously there, there is a difference between here in Alberta and, and, and down in Texas, is there just more industry available in Texas in comparison to Alberta? And is that why the numbers are as different as they are? Well, obviously there are unique circumstances in the, in the two jurisdictions, um, but 
it is notable that while we view Texas and Alberta as fairly similar, you know, as you, as you mentioned, um, the the whole Alberta is the Texas of Canada thing is 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 a real perception that a lot of people have. But in fact, Texas is actually less reliant on oil and gas than Alberta is, and it's hard to dig into the reasons exactly why. But I think though that it provides an instructive case where you've got a place that's known for being you know an oil and gas and cattle ranching place that over time has diversified into having a major tech sector and all kinds of Fortune 500 companies in Dallas. So it really highlights the importance of having a low-tax jurisdiction and really focusing on attracting people from all over the world and the country to put down roots and grow the economy. On that note, do you think that there's much that Alberta could learn from Texas in diversifying and growing their economy? You know, there, I'm sure there is. Um, it's not something we dug into too much into in, in this particular paper, but I think a big part of it is just having a stable regulatory and economic regime. And one of the one of the differences we like to call attention to. So this is actually the, a, a follow-up to previous papers we've done comparing the two jurisdictions. Our last one was focused on what happened during the boom years, and one of the big differences between the two was that. While Texas has been fairly stable in terms of uh, its public finances, not running really gigantic deficits or anything, Alberta has been pretty erratic. And as much as people are keenly aware that we've been running deficits since the last recession, uh, often it goes unnoticed that we've been running recessions almost, or rather, deficits almost um, uninterrupted since the recession before that um, in 2008, 2009. So it's really important that we get our heads around this and ensure that we have stable finances going forward because at some point the cost of servicing our debt goes up, which is it's going up quite substantially. Um, and it gets harder and harder to not only uh, close that gap, the, the annual deficit, but also to pay back the interest on the debt that we've accumulated. So how has Texas managed to stay afloat and not take a deep dive into debt while, like you said, you know, for, for years and decades, Alberta was running a, a surplus and then things happened and we dipped into debt and then things got quite bad, but slowly but surely we are trying to crawl our way out. What's, the, what's been the difference maker between the two? Yeah, so uh, just to take a step back, I think it is important to highlight just how sharply we've, we've, uh, we've gone. As you pointed out, for, there were years when Alberta was amassing surpluses, and at one point we had a $35 billion net asset position, which is just a wildly unusual position to be in. Most jurisdictions have net debt, so their assets are, their financial assets are lesser than their debt. We actually had more financial assets, like the Heritage Fund, for instance, than we had debt by $35 billion. And we've just blown completely through that in a very short period of time. And the big difference that you see when you compare Alberta to Texas is the increase in, in program spending over time. So what we like to do is take 2004, 2005 as a starting point when making these comparisons, because that's roughly the year when per capita spending in Alberta got back to where it was before the Klein cuts um, in, the, in the 90s. So it's not a low year or anything like that. When you compare Alberta and Texas from that point, uh, between 2004, 2005, and 2016, 17, Alberta saw an increase of about 68% in government spending and program spending compared to 44% in Texas. 
So while the two jurisdictions have some different responsibilities, that just shows that when you compare them against themselves, Texas has had a much more restrained approach to spending than Alberta has, and that's manifested itself in less accumulated debt. So, I mean, looking at that, Texas running a surplus every year but one since 2014, was it? Is that correct? Um, I don't have that particular slide in front of me, but that that sounds plausible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll roll with 2014-ish. Is that is is that something that is that is to be celebrated? Is that a model that that most provinces here in in Canada, specifically Alberta, could follow if they just did quote unquote what Texas did? You know, I think that it's important to remember that you know modest surpluses and deficits per year aren't really a big deal as long as over the long term they kind of balance out. And they have had a more stable approach. And I think that really that's what it comes down to, is that when Alberta has had good times, unfortunately, that has kind of been seen as a license to raise spending at every turn. And that's led us to a situation where instead of doing things like contributing to the Heritage Fund, which would help our long-term finances, we've just blown through all of our non-renewable resource revenue in most years. Um, And that is really leads to a bit of a feast or famine situation where all of a sudden we go from having big def- big surpluses to big deficits in a matter of a couple of years. And that's just not a really predictable way to budget. So going forward, Steve, with the with a new government or, f- well, recently fairly new government, what sort of things should they be looking at? What sort of changes should they be looking to make to, to try to, you know, even things out with our with our friends south of the border? Well, certainly the corporate income tax rate reduction was important. Um, when you're looking at investments, companies can invest between Alberta and Texas. A lot of companies um, operate in both. It's really important to be uh, roughly equal on that metric, which in some respects we will be um, with, the, with the, the corporate income tax cuts the government introduced. So that's a positive. But really, I think the biggest thing going forward is that we need to get our finances under control. We can't continue to run annual operating deficits, even when we're not in a recession anymore. And when, frankly, there's every possibility we're in for another recession at some point in the, in the next few years. So if we can't run surpluses during good times, or at least not run big deficits, that's going to be a problem going forward. It's going to mean our debt service costs are going to increase, and it's going to crowd out room for tax relief, which I think would be important, and to finance the programs that people expect. Steve, could you, could you take us into how raising taxes or not raising taxes also plays into this? Into the budgetary situation? Yeah, correct. Well, so I think that one could say, you know, the last government in part might have been motivated um, to increase taxes in order to balance the budget. Whether that was the motivation or not, you know, that's, I, I can't get in their heads. But I think, though, that what it shows is that they increased taxes quite a bit, and it didn't do anything to reduce the deficit because there wasn't that discipline there to reduce spending to close that gap. So I think that if we're relying on the idea of just increasing taxes to balance the budget, I'm not convinced that's really going to work. I think we need to take a long, hard look and think about how we deliver programs and rationalize them rather than trying to just hold out as long as possible and not do anything dramatic and then maybe stumble into a recession where we have even deeper deficits. Steve, just to, to wrap things up here, obviously a federal election coming in a few short months. It's hard to believe that we're, we're actually this close to it happening. Uh, at the Fraser Institute, what sort of things uh, is the organization going to be looking into as we lead up to that date in October? 
Well, um, I can't speculate on any uh, political developments. Obviously, the election will be uh, coming up soon. And as you, as you pointed out, it is kind of hard to believe there is another one coming up. Um, I think what's really important is I think we need people to be educated about the, how some of the decisions that will take place will affect Alberta and to recognize that Alberta is such an important contributor to federal finances. And during good times, Alberta is such a contributor to job creation in the country. So I think we really need to be keenly aware of just how important a prosperous Alberta is to Canada. It's not just an Alberta issue. It's a Canada issue. Steve LaFleur, Senior Policy Analyst at the Fraser Institute. Thank you so much for your insight on this. Thank you for having me.